0: Welcome to Restaurant Influencers presented by Entrepreneur. My name is Sean Walchef, founder of Cali BBQ and Cali BBQ Media in life, in the restaurant business and in the new creator economy. We learn through lessons and stories. I want to give a special shout out to Toast, our primary technology partner at our barbecue restaurants. Uh, but also they power so many of the restaurants that we have on the show, and they give us the opportunity to talk to the greatest minds in the storytelling space and hospitality space. And today we have one of those minds. We have one of those leaders. His name is Justin Nettleman. He is the new CEO of Crest Juicery. Justin, welcome to the show.
1: Thank you for having me, Sean. Good morning.
0: Good morning. Where We're, we're going to start with our favorite random question, which is where in the world is your favorite stadium, stage or venue?
1: Wow. Uh, Good question. I would say the most memorable experience I've had was probably Coachella um, a few years back in my Eureka days when we uh, were slinging burgers out there. And then when I get an opportunity, I always try to get to the Hollywood Bowl in okay. LA with
0: my wife. <laughs> we're going to go to Coachella cuz no uh, no guest has picked Coachella yet and except we're going to replace the raving music fans with hospitality fans and storytelling fans and I'm going to put you uh center stage and say Justin can you tell me who are you and and why do you believe in pressed? Give me give me the uh, TEDx the, Ted, the TEDx style why do you believe in pressed?
1: Well, I'm a user of the product um and to me, I said this when I started, I don't believe in kind of work-life balance. I believe in work-life integration. It's kind of been my superpower my entire life. Um, so for me, Prest uh, has a great base, a phenomenal following, a strong brand, uh, a lot of brand integrity around what we produce. And we've got a platform, right? We're all over the US, both in wholesale and with our uh, you know corporate run stores, almost 112 uh, as of today. So, you know, the base is here, the brand is strong, the product we create is amazing, and the opportunity uh, was huge for the brand and really me coming in and seeing where we can take it. So I think uh, the foundation is here, and I believe in what we do. Can
0: you bring me back? So the your team, your marketing team, uh, they were phenomenal, and they sent me uh, a packet of six different pressed Juices. Uh, this one that I'm drinking is the simple cleanse. But can you bring me back to the first time that you interacted with the brand? The first time you you tried pressed.
1: It's interesting. I um I was living in West LA where the brand started and um, a user of the product uh, as it was launching in uh, in West LA. I think almost 13 years ago. So I was um, beginning my restaurant journey at the same time that almost pressed uh, was getting going. And you know to really expedite uh, and speed up my wellness in terms of I didn't have time to pull out the Vitamix and make a kale smoothie at home. Um, press was kind of early uh, in this kind of cold press healthy uh, revolution around um, you know vegetable based and fruit based juices as a kind of a base to uh, you know launch or kind of continue health. So I was a user of the product, uh, believe it or not, uh, in the original store off of uh, 26th Street and San Vicente in West L.A. in Brentwood and kind of watched the brand uh, evolve um, and eventually, uh, you know, obviously heard about this opportunity um, to come on, jump on board and kind of bring what I've done in restaurants and hospitality and and retail in general uh, over to press. But yeah, I've been a user of it and watching it for a long time. uh, And it's kind of an amazing story, um, seeing kind of how big it's gotten um, over the last 13
0: years. So learning, uh, learning about your story, doing some, some research, we have so many restaurant tours, uh, people, professionals that listen to this show, uh, (laughs) you built Eureka restaurant group to over a hundred million in sales, 1800 employees. And then that wasn't enough for you.
1: (laughs) No, it's, um, my motto in life is, uh, it's passion and the endless pursuit of excellence. And it's probably the endless pursuit of, um, The uphill climb, which I like more than the downhill. Um, I don't have an e-bike, right? I like to go uphill, uh, relying on myself and the team around me. But um, the Eureka's journey and the story has not even probably been told in in its entirety, but it's a really interesting entrepreneurial journey going from real estate development, uh, building shopping centers uh, as a young developer, to the 2008 recession and literally taking a vacant space in my shopping center and creating Eureka off Eureka Street, um, an hour and a half of where I lived, kind of taking the lemons of the 08 kind of uh, real estate meltdown and turning it into lemonade. So it was really um, survival as much as anything, but also it's kind of like, hey, what widgets do I have? What can I control? And I'm going to do something here with you know real estate that I had built. Um, with my partner there off Eureka out in Redlands. So it's a crazy kind of story back uh, at that time in 08, uh, seeing, again, real estate kind of fall apart all around me and going, what are we going to do here? And there was definitely nothing to do in real estate other than hold on to your assets. But uh, restaurants were always something I thought I'd do when uh, money didn't matter. Um, and money definitely mattered when we launched that. Um, it's pretty amazing to kind of turn into what it did.
0: Bring me back to opening the first Eureka. I mean, that's uh, a thing that I think most of our our listeners can resonate with. Uh, the The first. Uh, do you remember back back in those times of like of I, uh, yeah, I real to... estate real estate development to restaurants? This is a crazy path.
1: <laughs> yeah, I like brain damage. Um, yeah, I'm a restaurant guy in terms of I love uh, travel, I love food, I love hospitality as a consumer. Um, I'm a natural kind of. I like hosting. I like taking care of people naturally. So it's in my DNA. When we started Eureka, it was essentially a very hard time. No one would return your calls to lease space. We had raised capital, built a small shopping center, Uh, knock on wood. I had never done a capital call to an investor after we had initially funded a deal. uh, That's usually a no-no. And um, instead of kind of putting our hands up and going, there's no one willing to lease space out in uh, Redlands, which is, uh, again, about an hour and a half east of West LA, about halfway to Palm Springs, we uh, we came up with a concept, kind of borrowed what we were seeing in more um, urban uh, kind of class A uh, markets where the burger craft beer craze was uh, starting to happen. This was, you know, obviously 2009. And i uh, said, let's take what we're seeing in these more urban markets. Um, kind of first to market uh, trade areas and take it out to a market that uh, had disposable income, but really didn't have access to what we were seeing in let's say New York and LA at the time with the whiskey beer and um, kind of burger craze and brought that sophistication to a smaller market, but brought that level of uh, execution that you would see in a five star restaurant or at least try to in a modest price point. So, you know, I was, uh, I joke when I was at Eureka, I used to flyer cars in my fancy suit that I wore in real estate uh, with the team hand in hand because the marketing budget was zero, right? The motto was get it for free or better when it came to PR. And um, I still have some of that ethos in me today, um, even running a bigger company. But yeah, flyering cars, partnering with local. uh, Before there was Facebook or influencers, just partnering with the people that were the tastemakers, uh, I would call it uh, old school guerrilla marketing. I still believe that works, at the, you know, at the, if you can scale it and getting the locals in there. And we intentionally uh, tried to let the community um, perceive us to be locals. And many people thought we were, even though we didn't live in that trade area. So really like a disciplined approach around like localism and community. And that still resonates today out there, you know, 13 days or maybe yeah, it's about 13 years later almost, Um but yeah, you know, it's hand to hand, guest to guest. The budget was make money in 30 days. There was not this disciplined approach to raising capital and saying it's like, you know, six months until we break, you know, start producing positive cash flow in a restaurant. It was we have enough reserves for a month. We're gonna make money out of the gate, which is truly um, I would say, um overly optimistic. Uh I would not recommend most restaurant believe that to be true, that they're gonna make money in the first month. But um, yeah, it was a, it was exciting to be out there kind of hand in hand doing the guerrilla marketing day
0: one. What was the secret to 18% unit level margins?
1: Yeah, that's a good question. Um counting every grain of rice, um looking at how everything is designed to minimize um the amount of people needed to execute the highest level of service. It was always about high service. So the distance between, you know, the, the greet stand and the bar. So midday, if uh, someone walked in and you didn't have a greeter, could a bartender greet someone with a a happy hello uh, or a gracious goodbye as they laughed, it was really just thinking about efficiency. And because I wasn't from the industry, like nothing was sacred, right? So we went all American beer and all American whiskey um, and intentionally not carrying mainstream products that differentiated us um, entirely, but so that we had a niche, and then we could also leverage that with uh, purchasing, so better margins. And uh, really, I would say borrowing from a team service model in hospitality, where every guest is uh, potentially uh, a guest of a of a team member on the on the floor. So no team member uh, could walk past you and not serve you. I, I used to get annoyed by you know five star steakhouses, and you know the busboy can't get an extra drink for you, but your server can. Well, the, the rest- Restaurants paying everybody. So if everyone's on the floor, like everybody can help everybody and uh, tip pooling and really creating a team uh, service environment, which is really, really hard to do because most restaurants don't function that way. They have sections and servers have have tables, but everyone is everyone's table um, and kind of pitching hand, you know, all hands in. Right. You walk, you walk out of the kitchen with full hands. You walk into the kitchen with empty dishes, speed with everything really trying to bust tables move tables uh, we never took reservations which was intentional um we were asked to do that forever but the goal was to fill the restaurant so if you needed a reservation or your kids were going to be screaming come at five rather than at 6 30. so now we packed the restaurant earlier um no matter what um, i just looked at everything from the guest perspective like me walking into a restaurant. And the server's saying it's an hour wait for n in, in Eureka, but then there's five empty tables because they're waiting for people to show up. Um, just I knew inherently would never make sense at our price point. Like you could not afford vacant tables at the cost of wages and our price point. So speed, efficiency, trying to improve at after every restaurant we opened. So never saying, all right, this is our model. We're gonna go do 20 of these. It was, and this is sometimes you know challenging to work with uh even st- Someone like myself, where it's like, all right, what did we do great? But now what can we do better next time? Even though everything was pretty good, uh, no matter what, how can we always tweak it? Um, so the balance is obviously making sure that the team feels super um, uh, appreciated for the success we had. But if we're at 18, how do we get to 19? If we're at 19, how do we get to 20? If we're at 20, how do we get to 22? And we knew kind of what our limits were. Some restaurants were packed seven days a week, five days, you know, uh, three shifts. You know, lunch, midday, evening, even four, even to the evening. And you knew like that was the max capacity a restaurant of our size and price point could generate. So being highly disciplined around the rents we would pay, no matter how good the real estate, I knew that there's only so much revenue you could drive out of a, a four walls within a certain size, no matter what. And being, I would say, um fanatically disciplined around our real estate to sales ratios, which uh were almost unheard of in full service. We were at um, 5.8%, maybe 5.7% all in with triple nets and uh, percentage rent, which is very hard to do. Um, we had to say no to a lot of locations. And I ask myself sometimes, should we have had 50 locations with a 9% occupancy? Or is it better to have 26, 27 when I left with a 5.8? I don't know, but it was always thinking about if I was going to run this business for the next 30 or 40 years, not just like build it and sell it. What's it going to look like? And that real estate to sales ratio, because that was my background, was like a, a point of pride that is very, very hard to do. You have to say no to like some amazing real estate and put your ego aside and focus on does, does it make sense financially? Does it not? You know, Forget about that's in your backyard. And we never opened any
0: Eureka's in our backyard uh, over that period of time. We have a brand new show called Toast Family Style. It is on YouTube. It is a travel show where we go and find the best operators on the Toast platform and share the secrets to their success on location. Uh, Check it out. Our first episode was with Novo Brazil out of Chula Vista, California. They have a brewery location there in consumer packaged goods. They've added additional revenue streams, but we also feature Toast's new app. Go to the App Store right now and download the app. It is the Toast Now app. It will give you the power of your restaurant's sales, your forecast, your labor costs, allow you to turn on and off third-party delivery. It is mind-blowing how cool this app is. It has been the most requested thing of Toast. Leadership built it. Uh, with so many of you that listen to this show, so many of the Toast customer advisory boards, I was there in lots of those meetings. Uh, it is one of the coolest things that I have seen rolled out. I can't wait for you, the listener, to download the app, give us your feedback, make your Toast app unboxing video, but check out Toast Family Style and also check out the Toast Now app today. How do you take the principles, the real estate principles that you learned at Eureka and apply them to the real estate strategy for Prest?
1: That's a good question one um thankfully we have a nice team here in real estate and with the size of our business I can't be the director of real estate uh I obviously as an entrepreneur at Eureka um I was able to wear that hat as well as CEO because it was you know my passion it was my baby and um we grew slow pressed is big we have 112 locations some really really good real estate um we're pausing our footprint for a minute to add new stores and we're kind of reevaluating our four walls and trying to figure out how to make them more productive. So going forward, um, we'll take the same approach. Now, fi- thankfully press can handle a higher occupancy cost with our labor model and just our overall model than, than uh, a full service casual dining restaurant like Eureka could. But looking at our existing real estate, um, you know, me providing insights and um, structure to our real estate team on ideas, because I was a developer, but I was also a tenant um, and a finance guy when it comes to real estate. So looking at it from all sides, I think is a powerful, uh, perspective for me here where I can, you know, I can think like the developer, I know what they want, um, which is obviously the highest rents and the least amount of calls over your (laughs) lease term. Um, and then, uh, you know, and I know they're going to take, you know, generally that that's the job is to, on renewals, push us to our, edge before we k- cry uncle and can't renew. So be willing to say no. Um, unfortunately, willing to shut something down if it doesn't fit pencil, even though it's not the goal. Um, so it's it's a different role today because we have this existing portfolio and we have some amazing real estate. And in some locations, um, yeah, the rent's too high. Um, but rather than me say, Oh, I would have never cut that lease because that doesn't do anything for us. The question is, or how can we now activate dead parts of the location and and monetize empty walls with new shelving to sell more? How can we uh, activate day parts by adding, we can talk about what we're doing right now, you know, adding different offerings. Uh, th- there's no good looking backward. It's like, Hey, here's where we sit. This is what we have. Um, what are we going to do about it? And in many cases, it's going to be um, really activating the four walls. And and we're going to have to sell a lot more out of those four walls to afford some of this amazing real estate that was signed because the market shifted. Cold press juice has changed and consumers, um, they don't really care how much rent you're paying. They will come in if it's good and they will not, if it's not right.
0: When you look at cold cold press juicery, where they started, And when you look at Starbucks starting with coffee and you think about what can you learn from Starbucks? I think Starbucks um,
1: is a phenomenal operator from the outside looking in. It feels like they have nailed, you know, efficiency, speed, right, in terms of the digital experience. Um, I'm more of a boutique coffee uh, guy from a consumer standpoint but I can definitely appreciate scale and um, I would say consistency and what that brand represents. I think there's a lot of trust in that brand, wherever you're at. Um, if people need, um, need that experience and need that caffeine, there's a trust factor uh, for for Starbucks. So you know, that's a large company, Um, you know, from us to that, that's a, that's a long journey. I think the question is um. I believe that trust exists today at press. That's one of the reasons why I came here. I think if the brand had been broken or there had been like actions taken that really jeopardized that trust, that alone is a multi-year journey to kind of change the consumer mind, let alone to drive sales. I think the trust exists. I think the question is, how do we leverage the brand? How do we take this kind of wellness as a platform? Let juice be the base And then introduce our guests to either new styles of wellness through some of the stuff we're doing, even right now through some of these unwind tonics and, um, kind of getting into the neurotropic space or getting into, uh, maybe supplements, other things that are kind of one dot away from juice as a wellness, um, so long as it makes sense. So yeah, I think there's, it's actually infinite where we can take it. The key would be those natural steps so that that there's high trial. So the guest doesn't feel like there's any risk. Uh, and then obviously it's got to be good. It, um, we, can, we can market anything, but it actually has to work. and It has to be good. Um, that's the. It's got to taste good. Right? Otherwise, who cares? Uh, but yeah, Starbucks, definitely a North Star. Um, that's big. I think uh, the question for us is how do we uh, continue to grow in a real smart way, but then also leverage this brand into wholesale and channels that maybe reach more people faster than building um you know another 112 brick and mortar stores which we could easily do um once we kind of reimagine the four walls
0: can you talk about menu development you're... oh yeah sure um yeah it's how interesting how are you gonna how are you gonna go about that are we a commissary model bringing in food or are we actually cooking at each of these locations
1: no so we currently have um acai, P protein infused acai bowls, which are really unique. Uh, the opportunity when I got here six, five and a half months ago was to tell that story. So as a consumer, that story wasn't being told to me. And I look at everything from the consumer standpoint, like what does it feel like from the guest, from a digital, as well as from like walking into the four walls or even walking past our store. So leaning in harder to those wellness bowls, um, it's a great product and Sean, you probably didn't even know that we have we literally paid to infuse pea protein into our acai. Like, who does that? Wow! Um, and if you don't tell people that, yep. you just have higher cogs and you feel good at night, but you don't drive sales. So we are um, telling that story. We're seeing our bowls, uh, the sales increase almost fifty percent year over year uh, since I got here. I think it'll grow to over a hundred percent. So uh, leaning into the bowls, I think what that does is it, it provides a higher use occasion and then allows us the opportunity to kind of engage and then talk about our juices. Um, You're going to see us first part of next year, hopefully um, well before summer, like hopefully in the end of Q1, maybe the beginning of Q2, do a whole uh, re-evaluation of our bowls. So it becomes a more trusted kind of lunch occasion and you're going to see wellness. You're going to see things like collagen infused into your um, dairy-free soft serve. We all know people, are taking collagen in their water, but why aren't they just adding it into the routine? Um, a lot more of the traditional um, healthy fats in different seeds and the bee pollens, all the things that we've seen in these kind of one-off niche, um, healthy bowls and smoothie locations, but we can execute that. I'm also being thoughtful that we're not a restaurant. We have a giant manufacturing facility. I can easily take us there, which would fundamentally change everything, but also cost a lot but we manufacture all these juices and we need to make sure we don't um, over complicate the business. So leaning in hard on bowls, I think it's going to be a huge driver for us next year. Um, we have a phenomenal dairy-free um, soft serve. You probably didn't even know we were dairy-free Sean, right? Like how do we tell the story? Um, and there's, there's very unique followers that come to us for that, but we know that the world is looking for these um, indulgent options that are still good for you. So Really telling that story around the you know the dairy free, and then um, getting into supplements and uh, different bars. We're still kind of contemplating the use occasion for the bars. You got to—it's always got to solve a problem. Like, where's there open? Where's our something in the market that doesn't exist that we want to solve, or where is there an area that we want to compete and we think we can compete because of our brand um, and that trust that I think people will try. So I think our stores will ultimately be these little. Uh, beacons of trial. And then it'll lead to um, more of an online and or even into the wholesale space as it relates to these other um, categories we get into. We're currently partnering with a local uh, food provider in 14 of our stores, and we're testing um, various healthy salads that kind of fit within our brand. And we're seeing that see some momentum. So we uh, we may be looking for a national partner to partner with there, or we may go more regional, which seems unscalable but actually is better for the gas what we don't want to do is lower quality just because we get the same exact salad from new york to la i'd much rather have um, three or four partners and execute at a higher level if we're going to bring in someone else's salads uh, than think it has to be completely this, the same but then if you think about quality um, that may not be possible so it's scalable so long as we kind of set that up by regions uh, we're not going to have a commissary making salads just yet but that definitely could be an option but you know one problem to tackle at a time. I don't want to create a, a new set of challenges that uh before we solve all the current things we're working on. But yeah, really making our, our four walls, you know, drive foot traffic. That's the goal. Like, how do we get more people in and then introduce them to these other things and and/or find brand partners, other partners and brands that we like, that we believe in their mission, we want to be affiliated with, they want to be affiliated with us. How do we help each other out? So we are looking at kind of brand partnerships as well again all with not notion of how do you bring in more people and then also how do you get your existing guest space to just consider buying more you don't always need more guests sometimes you need just a, a, a wider offering to your existing core guest uh, which is quite fanatical we have um, fans that are religious about what we do it's uh it's really really cool
0: so you have an app, a phenomenal app. You have 22,000 ratings on the Press Juicery app. You also have an Instagram page with 365,000 followers. When we think about storytelling in today's modern society, uh, we think about four Cs, content, commerce, communication and community. And you guys seem to be nailing all of those aspects. But as we grow, there's TikTok channels and YouTube channels and all of these different places that press shows up through user-generated content, but also through branded content. When you think of what I call digital hospitality, how do you think about digital hospitality and all these different touch points that uh, someone can consume your brand? And to your point, how do you cultivate that CRM, so to speak, and get them to come back for more repeat visits?
1: Well, the first thing we did um, is change it from CRM to GRM. So guest relationship manager. Um, That's the first time our marketing team has ever heard that. Um, We were looking for someone for a GRM. No one applied until we told them what it really was. Right. Um, (laughs) Now, customers are transactional, right? Guests imply a relationship and forever. And, um, we've already changed, uh, the kind of verbiage here, uh, to, to the word we were treating everybody like guests, but we weren't using that word. So now I think the team understands these are guests, right. And they're guests on our app, they're guests potentially, or existing on, on TikTok. they're guests when they go into whole foods or sprouts or whatnot and see our product and they're guests on our four walls for sure. Right. Um, we are going to completely reimagine that digital experience, hopefully, uh, you know, next calendar year. It's really obviously a function of allocation of resources and, and uh, and you know, human capital as well as real capital. I think it's good today, but it could be better. And that's kind of my overall mindset always, like, what could we do better? And I think to me, it's, it's all got a tie, but it's got to be authentic and real. And it can't be too... Um, programmed out otherwise i think guests won't they won't fall for that they want to know it's real so um there's a lot of organic content with our product we're really fortunate that um, the biggest influencers and stars and athletes are already posting on their personal accounts without us doing anything which is really amazing um which is great it helps but ultimately how does it all integrate and seamlessly flow and i think actually we have work to do sean even though there's a lot of followers i think that's that's the work that was done before I got here. Um, now the question is, you know, how do we get to a million followers or 2 million? How do people trust us for even more content around? I would say editing all the noise around wellness. I'm a wellness person in my own way, but I've found there's, I call them tribes. There's tribes of tribes of wellness, all kinds of tribes. Uh, we can't be something to everyone, but how do we like demystify all this? And simplify it, um, and help people kind of on their journey. And we say either you're beginning your wellness journey, maybe it's your first day on a cleanse, you're already super fit, and we're just helping you maintain, or maybe you're switching because whatever you're doing isn't working. But everyone's on this journey, so how do we help people along that journey, um, wherever they're at, meet them where they're at, and not not have uh, ego. Um, really say, hey, this is where you're at. Here's what we can offer you. And I think from a digital question, uh, we're going to build up that team. We're doing a great job engaging, but there's such an opportunity for um, ritual and systems. And we've already started that with that seven day simple cleanse you you, uh, you raised when we first started. Yeah. Um, I think trial is nice and fun but ritual is what we really want. And that's where we had built the business. So whether someone's doing X, Y, Z cleanse once a week or once a month, or they're, you know, using our unwind tonic that we just launched in the last month, which I really, really love. It's kind of an evening ritual. Personally. Um, I've already hacked it and I make it hot and put it in the microwave as opposed to drink it cold, but as a healthy way to kind of wind down your day, be more mindful. Uh, we now have that skew and, Um, you know, how do you, how do you weave it in all these channels is is really the magic question in a real way and not overspend, right? Um, The end of the day, we can spend all the money in the world to get you into our four walls or try it, but it has to be a ritual, be part of your overall wellness routine, or it's just, you're just, you're like on a hamster wheel. So we're moving into this systems. You're going to see us kind of lean into our our core beginning around these, you know, half day, full day, multi-day systems. And that, that seven day simple cleanse is a phenomenal success. It's a top skew for us. Um and we just recently started amplifying the kind of the noise around that. It's been really exciting. But yeah, I think the digital experience too has to be seamless. And I think there is friction in our in our system, uh, as as good as as you say it, it is. And I think of friction is always, like, where's there friction in the buying process? Where's there friction in the ordering process? Uh, where's there friction in, in the kind of, like, knowledge, like, what should I buy? I think it's, uh, there's still a lot of skews on our website with over 30 juices and 11 shots. That's a lot. We start adding supplements and bars. There's going to be a lot of noise. So really, how do you customize that experience for each guest based on their needs and um, help them kind of narrow in on what they want? Uh, whether it's because of some tests they take or like-minded people. Uh, but it's all about the clicks. I always say you should be able to order product with your thumb, right? Like it should be that fast. Uh, if it takes a couple of fingers, it's too complicated. But uh, yeah, we're we're fully integrating and Our team is really getting um, that guest journey right from the time you become a member to the time you become a VIP and that's been a huge focus. We have a a really, really robust active um, member count and VIP uh, group and leaning into perks and just like creating that own tribe of people that follow that. And how do you really expand it beyond juice, right? People are trusting us for anything. So how can we partner with the right brands again that that are part of that whole digital ecosystem? But I don't know if that answers it other than it's good but we want it to be even better and and uh even slicker and uh, just less friction right like it's good but, but like let's get let's
0: just keep pushing ourselves on the digital well justin i think uh you know i'm, I'm fortunate that thanks fuller to to entrepreneur we get to interview some incredible ceos some incredible founders that are doing really cool things in the in the spaces that we play in but you know, I, I recently just saw a post about Red Bull, actually. And Red Bull, they have 18 million followers just on Instagram alone. And in all of their content, not one piece of content you will you see a Red Bull drink. They talk about all of the things associated with brand. And if there is a company um that is poised to to be the red bull and the wellness space i think pressed juicery i'm challenging your team so that we can look back on this interview whether that's 3 years from now 5 years from now and we can see you know all of the followers but all of the impact more importantly um when you think about wellness when you think about the things that you guys can do i think it's it's inspiring i appreciate you taking the time um where's the best place for people to to follow along with pressed outside of social we'll put all the links in the show notes but um any specific... Listen, Instagram, yeah.
1: Instagram's great. I think I ask people, you know, become a member. It's free um, to be a member. But you start seeing kind of the emails and things that provide, uh, you know, updates. And really, I didn't begin this journey 13 years ago, but starting this VIP program where people commit to basically not paying, but just spending 10 bucks a month with us, that's the most intimacy you're going to uh, engage with as a brand. And as long as you're buying, you know, two juices a month you get preferred pricing. So we intentionally, um, uh, I would say discount and incentivize people to become VIP so that we can, again, get them engaged more, offer them perks. That's the best way to follow us either become a member or really ideally a VIP. And we're seeing, um, thousands of those literally every week sign up, which is really, really exciting. Um, and then how do we parlay that into, you know, wellness retreats or other, uh, experiences, that reinforce that kind of press logo and that press brand. And, and just like you said with Red Bull, uh, people already do, but over the next five years, as you see the logo, to see the brand people just know, I know what that means. I, you know, I'm wearing that hat. So I identify with I you. believe in it. Yep. You know, like-minded, I believe in it. You're, you maybe you like your greens one or you like your roots one, or you like your simple cleanse. And there's like this sub tribe of people that um, really, really love press and um, you know, we're going to come out with some new merch and really, uh, redevelop a few of our stores in a kind of a flagship way that'll reinforce that. But yeah, become a VIP. That's the easiest way to do it. It's, it's a great deal. It's actually um, insane not to unless um, you don't like healthy juice or whatnot.
0: Unless, unless you don't want to live long. I want to, I want to live long. I want to be there for my, my daughter when, whenever the magical day is that she gets married and hopefully one day I have grandkids, but I need to take care of myself. And I'm, I'm a huge fan of the brand. I, I love the, I love everything about what you guys are building. And I look forward to having you on in the future to see, uh, see, see where the story goes next. Great. And if you guys want to connect with me, it's at Sean P. Welchef, S-H-A-W-N-P-W-A-L-C-H-E-F. I am weirdly available to hear your story. Connect with me. Um, I'll connect you with digital hospitality leaders all over the globe. Justin Nettleman, CEO of Press Juicery. Justin, appreciate the time. This was awesome. Thank you. Just a reminder, you, the listener, you, the viewer are the most important person that consumes this content. The only way for us to grow this show is for you to share it with a fellow friend in the restaurant business. Help us grow the show by subscribing and always reach out to me. I wanna hear your story. I wanna learn more about your restaurant, whether you're on toast, whether you're looking to get on toast. Uh, We appreciate you supporting this show, and we can't wait to see the content that you're creating and to learn about the impact that you are making in your communities. Stay curious, get involved, and don't be afraid to ask for help.